Throughout Colombia, South America, for centuries the people have gone to the marketplace. It is here that they trade. It is here that they buy their coffee. Coffee grown by men like Juan Valdez. He washes the coffee by hand and then dries it carefully in the sun. The coffee is prepared for market as it has been for centuries. Because for Colombians, their coffee is more than just the richest coffee in the world. It is a national heritage. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi horror, suspense, classic, Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And I was, <laughs> I was about to say with us today. We don't have a with us today. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this week on the program, we are talking about Minute 23, the Michael Jordan. The David mm. Justice. One one pitch. A long drive to right. Ramirez turns to the track. She's gone. Day of justice. All is forgiven in Atlanta. Bob, it's okay to talk the talk if you can walk the walk. <laughs> the Al Martin of minutes. LeBron James. James pulls up. Puts it in. Four point lead. 35 for LeBron James. LeBron James, Draymond Green. Yeah. Yeah, just about any kid who's ever played basketball who's kind of good after Jordan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, of minutes. And we're talking minute 23. Minute 23 opens with Dutch finishing up his commands to the team as they make their way to the gorilla camp. And then it ends with Billy pulling a gorilla behind a tree. Yeah. So that we're finally... Poor- Finally making it to payback time. Payback time. Oh, yes. That poor gorilla just gets yanked. He just yeah. whoop, he gets, he gets right out of there. Totally jasoned here. I love it. I, lo- I love the the fact that this team is so awesome that they're basically the, the slashers entering the gorilla's lives. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, I uh, we're, we're still building up. The carnage is about to begin. Suspense mm-hmm. is killing me, but uh, we get some nice setup in this minute for what is about to come, don't we? Yeah, we do. And you mentioned the word suspense. If you notice, that's one of the genres I just kind of slapped onto the beginning of the show mm-hmm. here uh, because, you know, I was doing a lot of thinking this week about the minute like I do. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I was thinking like all these minutes, these 22 to 23 minutes that we've been talking about really nothing action wise on screen has happened. They've referred to some action off screen a few times, like the chopper being shot down, uh, the gorilla, not the gorillas, but the, um, yeah, the gorillas taking the prisoners from the chopper and shooting the pilots, the unseen adversaries killing and skinning all the green berets. Um, but this, and it's all leading up to this action point. But up till now, right? If you've stayed with the movie, you're probably like really, really just hardcore waiting for that action. It's just I like, can't wait, can't wait, can't. Wait. They they built it up and they built it up. They built it up. We just need to have this this sweet explosive. Yeah, and yeah, when you know when I watched this movie when I was younger, um, there was always you know certain parts that you kind of wait for. And, uh, you know, after you've seen this movie, a lot of times you can kind of have it on and, 
you know, be doing some things around the house, you know, perhaps folding some laundry. <laughs> and, uh, but when certain scenes come on, you stop what you're doing and you go watch. And yeah. we're, we're leading up to that kind of first main scene that, uh, the first, you know, first act of the movie really builds up to this confrontation here. Yeah. Because we haven't seen, like I keep saying action sci-fi classic, but we haven't seen really any action. It's just all alluded to off screen and yeah, definitely not a lot screen. of, right. The most sci-fi thing we've seen so far is just this altered vision um, from whoever is looking at them as they make their way uh, through the jungle. So it's definitely been more of a horror angle with them discovering the skin bodies. And it's definitely suspense angle with um, all the, all this build up and build up and build up to the mission. Yeah. All right. So this first part of the minute kind of carries over from the last minute. Uh, mm-hmm. Arnold and Dutch are finishing up their uh, instructions to the team. <laughs> Arnold and Dutch. Did I say Arnold and Dutch? <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> Try that again. I'm not you. I'm me. <laughs> it's a clone. Uh, That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not me. I'm you. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try that paragraph again. <clears throat> All right, so the beginning of this minute, we get uh, Arnold slash Dutch uh, finishing up his instructions to the team, and we're finding out what everyone's going to go do to get themselves set up for this confrontation, and then the team moves out, right? And Mm -hmm. so what do we get here? What do our different partners uh, get to go do, John? Well, just to recap, uh, because uh, his commands here are cut off at the minute break, I went back to the last minute and just put the two pieces together uh, so his total command is killed one of the hostages we move mac blaine the nest billy Buncho, the guard hawkins dylan back up dylan. as soon as they're said i hit the fuel dump <laughs> so, so what i love about this and <laughs> just what struck me is that he just tells the team what to do and really that's it. There's not a whole lot of details about how to go about their business. And there's really no details about how exactly he's going to quote unquote, hit the fuel dump. I hit the fuel dump. No, none at all. I I noticed that too. (laughs) Either they've done this enough that they just know there's going to be a rolling vehicle with explosives um, or um, yeah. I don't really know how they know what to do, but uh, I don't know either. And even later, when we see the backup of uh, Dylan and Hawkins, Dylan's totally like giving thumbs up to different people. Like, okay, it's all good. Like, wh- right. what is all good? Like, what's being clear? Like, I don't. <laughs> do you think Hawkins and Dylan, Dylan, when he was like backup, they were like looked at each other, were like, "God damn it, <laughs> we got backup." God. Yeah, and I, I mean, we could see why, right? Because like Hawkins is like the fresh face he's he's more of the rookie kind of trooper here and you know carl weathers dylan yeah he's he's the outsider of the group yeah he's dutch probably doesn't really trust him that much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean he he used to be someone he could trust right and and mac and blaine uh and billy and poncho get kind of the two dangerous jobs where they're going to infiltrate the camp and uh, presumably take out these. That's what what I took away from that instructions. Like the nest, I assume means go destroy the nest um, right. or go take out the guard that's in the nest probably. And then yeah. Billy and Poncho, the guard. So obviously go take that guy out. Um, so we get to see them a little more up close and personal as they, as they, uh, as they act out their duties here. 
Yeah, as, as really, it's just more strategizing most of this minute, which is just moving through the jungle quietly and somehow out of sight of the worst lookouts ever mm-hmm. uh, to the, their positions. I mean, I'm including the guard who's leaning against the tree in that group too. Um, and why do, why yeah. do you think, why, why do you think these, the wrong go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, they're all facing the wrong direction. What are they're they doing? The wrong way. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're... Maybe they're just bored. Like, you know, mm. they're sitting out there. They've been standing there for a long time. I guess maybe they're just leaning long against time. a tree. Like that one, that one guy just lights up a cigarette, which it looks like he looks like a hippie smoking a joint. We'll have to talk about that when we get yeah. there. Yeah, Moonbeam's but, friend. Um, yeah, yeah, I was trying to think of some good names for him. Um, yeah, but all, it's, it reminded me of like a video game, you know, like especially like maybe a N64 video game where the AI on the bad guys is not very good. What's that noise? And they're just sort of walking back and forth and they never yes. look in your direction, you know? <laughs> right. You're just watching for the pattern. Like, okay, after five seconds, yeah. they turn away. Right. They have some That's... sort of looped behavior and you just wait for them to be staring at the wall for five seconds so you can sneak by. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to look at the wall. Now I'm going to look back at the camera. Yeah, so right. I, I like your, I like your idea of naming them though. See, so do you want to name the guy uh, looking away in the hat or the guy leaning against the tree? Well, let's see. The guy. So, if uh, listeners at home are following along, around the twenty-five second mark of this minute, our little guy watching it right now slowly moves into frame, and he's wearing like a straw hat. He's got a mustache, and he's also looking the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first watched this, I was like, that guy looks familiar. Why does he look so familiar to me? And then I, at first I, I thought, well, they have kind of dressed him up as like the most stereotypical <laughs> South American person, right. <laughs> you know, with the mustache and the straw hat. And then mm-hmm. I realized, no, it's not just – any stereotypical South American person, it's Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. The, the Columbia coffee man. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so then I Google imaged Juan Valdez, the coffee man. Juan Valdez. And he seriously looks like him. <laughs> so this guy's name from here on out is Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Oh my gosh, you're right. It has to be Juan Valdez. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I really hat. wish he was like sipping on a cup of coffee in this scene. <laughs> that would have been perfect. And he had his donkey or his burro right next to him hauling his coffee beans around. Yeah. Are you looking at the logo, like the old logo of the Columbia Coffee? I am. Oh, I man. Am. So that's Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. He's looking the wrong way. And while he's looking the wrong way, who is that in the background that sneaks right by him there? That looks like, is that Blaine and Mac? Mac. Yeah, Blaine and Mac. Mac. Blaine and Mac. Mac. Right behind him. He doesn't even hear the crunch of the leaves or anything. Mm-hmm. Boy, Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. He's really slacking. Right. Like he had one job, which is like <laughs> look out as in look out away from the base and not quite doing that. Literally one job. Yeah. Where what you do is in the title of your job. <laughs> you look out. Yeah. All right. So there's Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Uh, and then should we talk about the next little uh, moment here we get with uh, Blaine? Yeah, this is um, probably one of my favorite shots of the movie. Yeah. Where this Blaine is making way, his way toward the nest on his presumably hands and knees. And at one point he reaches forward and just freezes. And as he freezes, uh, John McTiernan pulls one of my you know favorite shots, which is the rack focus as 
his hand goes out of focus and then the foreground comes into focus. And then that foreground is a, a clear trip wire um, that we find is hooked up to a, a C4 loaded M181 Claymore mine. Mm, and more about that mine in a moment. But yes, I, I do want to mention, I just, I really love the technique on that rack focus and just that little shot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's expertly done because when the camera pans up right there, you, I mean, if you're looking for it, you can see the trip wire, but when it's out of focus, you really can't see it very well. So no. you as in the audience experience the kind of the surprise that Blaine, the character, would be experiencing in the same moment. So it's, it's really well done. And there's a little kind of heightened music. <laughs> that hits there. We yeah. call it maybe strings, which is like kind of the one place you can say, oh, that's really appropriate for strings. Right. It's like actually seeing a string on screen and... Oh, I get it. Yeah. For the string. Hey, yo. Yeah. What do you think of Jesse's performance here? Oh, he's great. He's, oh, yeah. he's got his, his uh, outstretched hand. You can see his big chunk of chewing tobacco <laughs> in his lips still, which is a nice touch. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he does a good job just freezing on it. And uh, we get a nice little... His, his hand is in focus in the foreground with the wire and his, his face is kind of out of focus in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I, th I think he and... Mac, 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 uh, Mac. Are, are both doing a, a really good job acting in character here because maybe Jesse is playing Blaine as like right this big tough guy, but like still maybe at his core is really sensitive, you know? Yeah. And then Mac, Mac. is just the whole way through. He's just he doesn't he, he looks maybe slightly worried, but he's like nah, like <laughs> this this doesn't really phase me that much because he has his own. I I think Mac has his own little personal demons going on throughout the whole movie really until he's pushed too far is he ever going to like crack or show um some emotion yeah he really is all business mm -hmm. um in this little sequence of scenes or vignettes here mm -hmm. yeah jesse ventura looks frightened and, and mac just <laughs> immediately goes to work he knows what to do now let's take care of this thing so we can keep on doing our job yeah yeah oh i, I really like how the team is working together at least uh, Mac and Blaine and that um, at first I, I thought it was Blaine pushing the stick into the what is that called the detonator well yeah um, of the mine but no that's that's totally Mac. Mac and then he's making eye contact with Blaine Blaine does right. the, the snip of the wire I thought that was uh, interesting but we'll, we'll talk a little bit about disarming in a minute yeah, because you got lots of stuff to talk about with that mine. But before we do, we should mm -hmm. we should talk about the hippie smoking a joint or having a smoke here in the in the woods. Um, he looks like another hippie. We've already got Moonbeam. What yeah. do you think this guy's name should be here, John? All I can think because I've when I watch this minute over and over, he's just lighting up and <clears throat> puffing out some smoke. I'm just calling gonna call him Little Smokey. Little Smokey or Little Ooh, Smokey. Little Smokey. Yeah, my favorite breakfast snack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah those like the little link hot dogs right that, like yeah 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 like you, you eat them now and you're like oh i just know these are cancerous yeah like, and <laughs> right so many nitrates so many uh, nitrates a little smoky it's like a bunch of little nitrate links yeah and so we'll spell this guy's name the way they do on the package which is l-i-l apostrophe so yes he's a little smoky like the rapper a little smoky like the rapper, yeah. And like and like any self-respecting rapper, he's going out in a violent, violent way. Yeah. And, and smoking, smoking right beforehand. And smoking. Yeah, Juan Valdez and Lil Smokey so far. Juan Valdez. 
Little Smokey. Yeah, so another uh, quote-unquote lookout who is looking the wrong way. <laughs> right. Um, and so we get a shot of him smoking here. Also, he's like really dug into the leaves. <laughs> yeah. Like, he can't really see much there, can he? No. He's no. not up on like a – he doesn't seem to be up on any sort of point of like any vantage point or mm-hmm. lookout hill or tower. He's like literally shoved himself underneath a couple trees and branches in his hot box and – Little Smokies. <laughs> his, little, his, his little hideout. So this guy really takes the cake for bad lookouts. And if, he, if I were to map this out, you would see – Oh, the way Billy goes and the way Mac and Blaine go is that um, from the log, Billy right goes, I, I can't really describe it over audio, but Billy and Ponchito go in such a way where how they end up behind this guy and how the hill is sloped behind the guy indicates the guy is most likely also looking back at the camp. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> probably looking, who knows, maybe right at the gun nest and he doesn't see Mac and Blaine like carrying a humongous weapon with them and cutting oh wires and chewing These tobacco. These guys are the worst. Yeah, <laughs> Tobacco. Worst lookout. Slide like when they slide down the hill like that. That's got to make some noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's just oh. yeah, just because classic '80s goofball bad guys here. Just yeah. yeah, just dumb henchmen, just not paying attention. Right. All they are is they're just added to the body count. Just bodies. Yeah, and the way, the way Dylan, Dylan makes them out to be like these uber bad guys or planning something huge later on in the movie just really is is undercut by just the, the inability of lookouts to actually look out for enemies' right. invasions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Lil Smokey. Little Smokey. Little Smokey. Yeah, we got Little Smokey. So now we cut back to the cool little scene here where they uh, disarm the mine. So can you explain for our listeners kind of what Mac and Blaine are actually doing here to to disarm this thing? Yeah, so Mac is pushing down a stick. It looks like just kind of a stick found on the floor of the jungle uh, into the mine's detonator well, which is where the tripwire connects um, to uh, the mine. And if the tripwire were to, I guess, pull out, kind of makes sense. Mm. If the tripwire to pull something out of that detonator well, that would set off the C4 inside and blow this <laughs> huge chunk basically into uh, the mountainside there. So that stick is holding the, that end of the tripwire in the detonator so they can clip it. I guess, but then I think, well, what idea? if they just, right? Like if if he ultimately just has to clip the tripwire, why does he even have to press that down? Because, right, at some point you're going to mm. let go of the stick. I don't know. Um, right, right. Can I, can, let's talk about actual Claymore mines here for a second. Um, okay. I, I, I did look up for how to <laughs> disarm a, uh, a Claymore mine, and um, this information comes from operationalmedicine.org, so take that for what it's worth. But it says it says step one is move the safety to the on position. Yep, is your problem? Someone set this thing to evil. Um, well, that's a good step. Yeah. So they don't do that here. They just they're cutting wires and pushing down on it. So uh, I guess in a real life situation, if you found a mine and were able to not detonate it, right, were able to escape the detonation. Then you just simply find the little switch. You're like, oh, he just had to turn to evil, right? Like, right, <laughs> like right. evil crust of the clown doll is like, oh, he just had the safety off. And you just turn on again. <laughs> and it can't do anything. But then it says, so after you move the safety to the on position, disconnect the M57 firing device from the blasting cap wire, approach the mine from the rear, carefully remove the shipping plug 
priming adapter in the blasting cap from the detonator well. So um, the whole detonator well business looks like it would be the last step in <clears throat> disarming the mine. And um, in fact, let's talk about mines for a minute, if that's all right. Let's do it. It's the mine minute. Mine minute. Mine it. Predator mine it? Yeah, <laughs> Predator <I> was... <laughs> mine it. <laughs> Predator mine it. Okay, uh, so this is an M18A1 Claymore mine used by the gorillas here in the jungle. And if the gorillas were in fact supplied by Soviets, they would not be using Claymore mines. They'd be using more Soviet-style model mines that are modeled just like the M18A1, but having different names such as MON50 or MON50. Mon 100, Mon 200. Uh, and if you were to look up images of the Soviet mines, they look just like the uh, Claymore mines that the U.S. developed and used, um, except different shades of green. And that those different shades mm. of green would give it away, as well as the writing in Russian, of course. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> There's that. Uh, but some mine history. The mine is, as you notice on the back, it says back. A-purse mine. The A-purse stands for anti-personnel mine. Uh, these were developed in the 1950s, adopted by the U.S. military in 1960, and first used in Vietnam in 1966. Mm. Uh, so if you're imagining um, this jungle warfare like we see, um, it makes sense that we're, we, the audiences, are reconnecting uh, to using this kind of weaponry in the jungle when we probably would have heard about it in popular culture used in the Vietnam War, which this movie keeps kind of reminding us about in the Vietnam War. Hmm. Now, would this be a common way to actually use the Claymore is like set up a tripwire like this? Or is Ooh. that something they did just kind of for the effect of the film? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> Weapon historian of Predator. But I, I checked the old IMDb for firearms and it says, contrary to dis- depictions in media, which usually show it as rigged to a tripwire or proximity detonated, the M18A1 is almost always used in a command detonated mode using the M57 clacker detonator linked to the mine via a cable. Yeah. Uh, it notes that s- multiple mines can be put together as kind of like this daisy chain using the same detonator. Um, it says, while they are not usually used in a self-detonated mode, it is possible to rig up systems to detonate the mine via other means. Anything which can trigger a blasting cap will work. The, any, if you look up any videos of the Claymore mines, you'll see the military is strictly just using wired triggers to press the button to activate the mine. Um, right, and, meaning they like ha- they hook a wire up to it to like some sort of remote or trigger they're holding. And right. They are presumably like 50 yards away or something and then pull the trigger. Yeah, 50 and 50 yards behind and then 50 yards on the rear side of it because these things have... Oh, it's directional. Yeah, it's, it's very directional. So notice that wow. if you remember what I said before, where it said on the back, it says back apers mine, oh, right? right. It, it puts okay. back in big capital letters. So, you know, you're looking at the back because the front literally says front toward enemy. <laughs> it's kind of like not looking keep, down the barrel, right? Keep away right. from face. Keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's like on the cup at, at fast food. Coffee <laughs> is hot. Right. <laughs> don't spill on crutch don't sue us right <laughs> uh, but uh here's some some metrics for all you uh explosive fans uh the mine's yeah, payload the explosive is explosive nerds <laughs> Nerd! 
uh, the mine's payload is 700 one-eighth inch steel ball bearings encased in a resin matrix set in front of a convex layer of C4 explosive that is normally triggered by a blasting cap. On detonation, the ball bearings are ejected in a 60 degree arc at around 4,000 feet per second, or Mach 3.6. Uh, with damn. The, <laughs> damn! With the force of the, of the detonation distorting them to the point they resemble 22 caliber bullets. <laughs> right that off. is wild. A whole bunch of bullets basically spraying out. Just wow. kind of, if, if you've ever played Contra, you know the spread gun. It's basically oh, like it's the, best gun. the Claymore mine gun. Just spread, spread, spread. <laughs> the mine's effective range is around 55 yards, 50 meters, though fragments can travel up to 270 yards or 250 meters. Uh, because the plastic mine body is mine body is completely destroyed by the detonation the claymore also has a backblast danger zone of 52 feet and the remaining 300 degrees not part of the main blast the hump mm. on top of the mine is an iron sight to allow the user to judge its area of effect or aoe if you've ever played video games or <laughs> know some military lingo when placing it mm. with the two ears on the side a pair of removable combination shipping plugs and priming adapters which cover the two fuse wells these can be rotated and can either be used to route a cable through to an inserted blasting cap or removed to insert non-standard detonators so there you go these things pack a punch and judging by where the gun nest is i would say the gun nest is a little bit too close to the rear because it explains that it'll blast backwards to up to 50 feet and they look about i don't know what do you think 20 25 feet away from the nest from where they are maybe closer yeah yeah so it might be in the back blast zone mm-hmm yeah. Um, that, so that's pretty crazy. So this is a claymore that's been set up by the enemy. Mm -hmm. Do we, well, I guess we'll find out in future minutes. Do we get to see our, our boys use some claymores on these guys? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, in the original script, they were actually, um, Mac and Blaine, after they disarmed the mine, they would turn them back to the camp, a la Commando and Arnold. from the previous year, what mm -hmm. he was doing with his yes. uh, C4 Claymores, C4 Claymore. And they actually rewired the, rewired the mines to face the camp. But at the same time, like, yeah, anyway, in, in, in the movie, we see them actually use the mines later on when they're setting the trap for the Predator much later. Um, at night, they're trying to Got set it. up the C4 mines and um, trip wires with uh, the Predator trying to recover Blaine's body. Um, in, in the camp at night. Nice. If you if you think about it, that that would be extremely dangerous practice. Repositioning the mines so they go back to the camp because you're in the range, you're in the camp, um, taking out all these uh, gorillas. So if someone would happen to trip the mine from outside the camp while you're in it, you just basically committed suicide. <laughs> Blew up a mine on yourself, and that was all your own work. Yeah. Yeah, that seems very dangerous. Maybe that's why a little Smokey was a little Smokey just hiding out in his, <laughs> in, under the tree there because he got he got a little high and forgot where all the wires were. <laughs> it was like I'm not moving. I'm just gonna sit right here 
<laughs> How about this theory that little Smokey's little Smokey just like I'm on my smoke break. I'm gonna be as far away from those mofo mines as you can be. I don't want to be. I don't want <laughs> right. some, some deer or snake tripping those. And if you think about it, that's another good reason why you wouldn't have trip wires hooked up to these mines. Instead, you'd oh, have. You're right. Like, <laughs> what if wildlife? Yeah. Or a log rolls down the hill or something like that. Oh man. Oh, I, I just. I didn't even think of that before, but you're totally right. Yeah. yeah. What if a snake comes along or <laughs> God knows what else? What, what's it? What, God knows what's in the jungle. To set off that tripwire. Yeah. Oh, could Lord. be like a wild boar or something, you know, we don't know. Right. Yeah. Mac, Mac will tell us about that later. Um, okay. And then uh, you mentioned uh, in some of your notes here that obviously this is not a, a real mine. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a, now was it a, just a, a fake mine or was it a, um, a mine that had been kind of diffused so that it looks real? Uh, they actually make a, a separate model of mines, of Claymore mines, just for training purposes. So no explosives, mm-hmm. nothing to make it dangerous. And that model is not the M18A1, which would be stenciled on the side or imprinted on the side um, and you see where you see it says back a purse mine you see a huge blank spot right before so this is like the trainer yeah this is a training mine trainer and mine. and the reason you don't see right when you're looking at the back it says back and then under back it says a purse mine but to the left of a purse it looks like wow why is there a big gap there well that's because they would have had the training name the m33 ah. imprinted there on the back um in a real mine right it would say m18 a1 on the back it'd be imprinted but instead that was the whole thing's just scrubbed off and um according to imdb firearms the firearms database for movies uh most movies will just pull this quote-unquote trick of oh we're just going to scrape off where it says m33 so people don't think we're using a a training mine but if you scrape it off like you know something's up (laughs) like either you'd say the name um or you would say right training mine and that would give it away yeah all right so it must be yeah and and um imdb firearms also mentioned a few other places where the mine is shown in movies the claymore mine and it's surprisingly little for the movies but then in the video games really any kind of first person military or spy based uh, yeah shooters utilize the the claymore mines and they use them in the very movie style where they're going off due to proximity or trip wires when we're seeing from um, the internet Thanks, internet. <laughs> that these would most likely be, you know, trigger based. Yeah. So, what uh, what are some of our uh, other films that we can find a Claymore mine? Uh, there's Uncommon Valor. I've never seen that one. Have you seen that never one? Never seen it. Okay. Nope. There's a little known movie called Commando. Welcome back, John. Mm, <laughs> I heard that stars Alyssa Milano. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, it starts. Yeah, Melissa Milano and uh, Vernon Wells. Welcome back, John. Dan Hedaya, mm-hmm. Bill Duke. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who else. I feel like there's someone on the tip of my tongue. I love the bad guy in Commando that he's supposed to be wearing like a chainmail vest, <laughs> but it's clearly like just a gray like knit sweater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know what purpose that would serve anyway. But yeah, no, it, it's. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh. He's a little out of shape and like his, yeah. his stomach is like sort of poking through like he he makes up for it by just being completely nuts though. That's what I like about he is. Yeah, he's Wells. just insane. Yeah, you're right. Come on, John. I gotta kill you now. I'm not gonna shoot you between the eyes. I'm gonna shoot you between the balls. 
And he has one of the great villain deaths. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you let off some steam, Bennett? Some steam, Bennett. <laughs> let off some steam, Bennett. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so Commando has the well-known scene where Arnold's run away from the compound and he presses the trigger. So he's actually using the claymores correctly with the trigger, but apparently it's like this wireless trigger and the explosion is just these humongous pyrotechnic works is wonderful yeah those are like fire bombs (laughs) (laughs) and if you like if if you've ever watched like body counts of these action movies it's hilarious because like he'll set off the mind that'll do the freeze frame and then it'll be like 19, 11, 12, 13, 14, like it'll freeze and like all the bodies you see silhouetted in the silhouetted in the flames are counted as the body count. Oh, that's great. I got it. That's awesome. Uh, but you'll see the Claymore mine also used in The Park is Mine. I believe that's the movie. Tommy Lee Jones is a one-man revolution and he's going to war against the city of New York. In which Tommy Lee Jones claims Central Park or some other large park, and he's this vet, really not Peyton, vets in a good light, and he's just totally bonkers, and he has this whole arsenal. Uh, Mm. But uh, fun fact, it's one of uh, Aaron's, (laughs) my brother Aaron's uh, movies from his youth that he really uh, enjoyed. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I think he even had had a shirt made, as in he wrote (laughs) a marker on a white t-shirt, the park is mine. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, very nice. Um, so a lot of military movies on here. Platoon, sure. G.I. Jane, Proof of Life, Sniper 2, SWAT, Punisher, the one with Thomas Jane. And mm. <laughs> I had to include that reference because Thomas Jane by far has my favorite line in Arrest Development. No, I'm afraid I just blew myself. <laughs> I know it's not Arrested Development Minute, but I try to make those references where I can. He's the, as much as possible, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but there's... Uh, He's playing, like, he's really method acting for these two roles. So in the real life world of Arrested Development, he's acting like kind of like this homeless, I think is like a homeless dad. And he just wants his kids back. I just want my kids back. So he and Michael and the rest of these guys are like having to speed build a house uh, for, I think, a competition against Job. And in the middle of Michael giving instructions for how to build the house, Thomas Jane just says, I just want my kids back. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael just like <laughs> gives him this look like, all right, and we're just going to keep going. <laughs> Bottom line is we've got two weeks to build a house. Doesn't have to be good. Just has to look good. I just want my kids back. Not aware that Thomas Jane is trying to method act <laughs> through oh these kind of like real life situations. So I had forgotten about that. That was fantastic. Yeah, Man, that our, show deserves a rewatch. I got to get back into it. I already have that drop saved from when I was putting together these <laughs> notes. I'm like, oh, that's going to be in there. I just want my kids back. Let's see. To finish up, we have Jarhead, Rambo 4, Predators, Red mm. Dawn, the reboot, No Tears for the Dead, which is a Korean action movie. Uh, and. Oh. Bright. Uh, Rambo 4. Interesting that not Rambo 1, 2, and 3 are included. Yeah, totally. I mean, because he's a a Vietnam vet, right? Coming back from the war and uh, First Blood, right? Yeah, yeah. I understand First Blood because First Blood isn't really a a war movie. Like, he's... He's on domestic soil being chased by some crooked asshole cops. Um, But in the sequels, right, he's like shipped off to Vietnam and it's like completely over top. So I'm surprised we didn't get any Claymore mines 
in uh, Rambo two or three. <laughs> That's a really good point. Why, why isn't he bringing this well-known weapon into uh, the yeah. combat? Uh, were there? How about how about you, Jeff? Were you ever like a big first-person shooter kind of gamer with the setting up the mines and stuff like that? On yeah, you know, I in my old age now, married with kids, I just don't have time to play a lot of video games anymore. Same. Um, but um, you know, back in my college days, when when my buddies and I would sit around and just play, you know, the number one game, not surprisingly for someone my age, I'm in my late 30s at the time was Goldeneye. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking about too. Yeah, and we would we would play, you know, the classic, um, what was the mode, like the battle mode or whatever it was, was mm-hmm. one-on-one where you could, you know, choose the location and choose your weapons. Right. And uh, it was always fun to, we played uh, the temple with the remote mines all the time. Oh, so fun. All the time. Or proximity mines too. We'd kind of go back and forth between remote mines and proximity mines. Both were fun in their own way. Um, yeah, but we would play that for hours. Hours. Love that game. Uh, were you a, a GoldenEye fan back in the day? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, playing with uh, my two brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we would play the multiplayer mode all the time and yeah i was always a huge fan of just setting up the mines because i was never good at like the kind of face-to-face combat and like yeah strategizing that way and hitting moving targets but i could i could lay down all those landmines with the best of them yeah the proximity ones the remote ones and oh, oh yeah. there's also the timed ones those are like timed i think, ones, I think yeah. green and like not as used because you're like takes a lot of strategizing do you, do you remember there was a a location i think it was called the complex mm-hmm. and there was a room in the complex that was full of pillars it was like there was like a ton of pillars yeah it was really matrix like right yeah yeah it was kind of gray colored mm-hmm. and uh, gray and silver and so you could go in and out of that room there was like one door in one side of that room and only one way out the other side and you had to navigate through all these pillars mm-hmm. so i would always go in there and slap a whole bunch of proximity mines on the back side <laughs> of those pillars because you could not see them coming. If you came from the wrong direction, you would not see that they were there. Mm-hmm. And my friends got used to me doing this, so anytime they'd go in that room, they'd throw a bunch of mines themselves. <laughs> yeah, you there. have to lay out some other explosives just to set off yeah. the mines that were set. <laughs> And my buddy, like, they'd take one step in the room and they'd throw one mine and it would set off, like, the 20 that I had placed in there. (laughs) And they would all go off. (laughs) Good times. Complex is mine. (laughs) Oh, man, this is like... Oh, double meaning. The park is mine with all the Claymore mines. Oh, oh missed a golden wow. opportunity. Oh, well. A golden eye opportunity. Oh. <laughs> Good hey. lord. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to really quickly, oh, yeah. just our last little mine cutaway, uh, the field manual from Jungle Operations. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's it's, it's all right. Uh, from the Army, 1982. It has a whole section about attacking fortified positions. This is 5-15. If you're following along at home, explosion <laughs> slash jungle nerds. Um, it mentions, it says, as mentioned earlier, jungle enemies have often used strongly fortified defensive positions to protect themselves from the effects of U.S. firepower. If it is necessary to attack such a position, troops will probably encounter bunkers check barbed wire haven't seen in this movie mines mm. check and booby traps 
check. So I would put mines and booby traps there in one of the same. And it says the enemy will often have to be burned or blasted out of such positions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> These operations will require attacks on a narrow front, great amounts of firepower. limited objective attacks and i sure hope that that is the strategy that dutch's team takes here me too <laughs> great amounts of firepower just <laughs> nothing but firepower nothing but blasted blasted explosions all right so we get uh i'm sorry are you all done with the field i, I am all done with the field manual pack it up so we get uh mac and blaine uh, disengage the Claymore mine here, mm -hmm. and uh, Mac is still all business. We get another quick shot of Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. He's 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 totally just kind of scanning the interior of the camp. It looks like he's not not only yeah. is he looking the wrong way, but he's just he's scanning like he's not even holding his gun. No. Yeah. I his don't guns. Know. His gun. What is pointed like not even out towards right the outside of the camp. It's just kind of points sideways. Maybe along yeah. the border of the camp. Looking at this again, it really does look like he's bored. Like he's sitting on a hay bale or a, a, a sandbag up there or something. Kind of <laughs> hunched over with his elbows on his knees. Yeah. You know, like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> uh, wish I was yeah. making some coffee beans or something like that. I wish yeah. I was. Oh my, my God. If he just slowly lifted up a hot cup of steaming coffee. <laughs> One by day. It would have made my day. <laughs> cafe. Yeah, cafe. cafe. And then just looked right at the camera and smiled. <laughs> and winked. <laughs> Doesn't Juan Valdez do a wink? I forget. Juan Valdez. Uh, that's, ooh, I, we're going to have to do a little homework and watch yeah. some uh, Juan Valdez commercials, old yeah. commercials. <laughs> Um, that'll be the opening to the minute is a Juan Valdez commercial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get a shot of the two worst lookouts, Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Is hanging out, and then it cuts back to our our friend, Little Smokey. Little Smokey. Yeah, he's 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 totally done up like a you know your um, stereotypical gorilla too. He has the fatigues on. He has a red band on his head. I don't know if yeah. you call it a bandana, but just kind of yeah. Hunched down in his little hidey hole, mm -hmm. having a smoke. Avoiding avoiding life right now, I guess. <laughs> it's taken five, you know, taken five from, from and life. You, you almost feel bad. He's having a, it's like he's he's on his little break right now. He's sitting, he's having a smoke. Look, it looks like he's looking up at the sky or the leaves, enjoying the the beautiful jungle. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? What happens well, to little Smokey? All of a sudden, this 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 I don't know presence comes out from behind him, covers his mouth, and just pulls him backward as if you know he's pulled by. A rope or some godlike unseen force. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. It's really fast too. He just gets yanked off his little spot there, and down he goes. Oh, yeah, and the the, ca the camera motion is is. I don't know. I think it really helps sell it here because the camera doesn't linger on this moment and you're not just left with empty jungle no as right. soon as he's pulled back and even i think he's even still being pulled back little smoky is the camera is panning really quickly to the right away from it um, which uh, I, th I think really paints this guy as just like oh, this business is done time to move on to the next objective yeah and kind of gives you a sense that like okay this you're right like they have a job they're doing right now everyone's playing their part okay this thing is done now the, the camera's gonna zoom okay what's the next thing they got to do yeah giving us the giving us the feeling that 
all these things are happening very quickly in succession. Some of them maybe even overlapping in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're given the sense that this team is very quick, efficient, that they've reached this kind of destination. They know what they have to do and they're going to execute quickly, efficiently, perfectly, which they do. Right. And again, <laughs> not really being told exactly what to do. And <laughs> it's not I like you have, know. it's not like you'd have some pre-plan going into this because you don't, you've never seen this camp. So every camp's going to be different. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, yes. <laughs> so, so impressively minimalist um, is this movie and the team and John McTiernan. Uh, yeah. It's just, just cleanly sliding towards this, I don't know, ex- explosive climax here in the first, yeah. what, 20, three minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. We will get to it soon. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the minute. Just a couple last tidbits here. Jesse Ventura. Uh, if, if you remember his training, he was part of the Navy SEALs underwater demolition team, UDT in real life. Uh, he never saw any real combat, but um, in his operations, he likely learned how to sweep for explosives and maybe sometimes disarm explosives. Uh, so it's it's interesting, right? They're, you're actually seeing a little bit of connection to his real life training, his real life military background when he's yeah. helping disarm the mine. That's why he seems so comfortable. <laughs> Which is funny because <laughs> in the movie, he just seems freaked out to no end. He just, <laughs> he looks, yeah, he looks as scared as poncho here just like oh he really does yeah he really does like, yeah <laughs> uh the last thing i would say about the minute before i wrap up is uh that a, i think as hard as it was to film um this movie on the really rugged steep hills i think it makes for a lot of great moments for john mctiernan it, it's really given him the ability to look up and down in action and at his actors um it gives the scenes, all sorts of dynamics, because you have something going on in the foreground. It's really easy to put something in the background that's higher up or that's lower down because you don't have to worry about everything being on the same plane. And in the previous minutes, we've talked many times about, oh, here comes the rest of the team down the jungle. It doesn't necessarily distract having this stuff going on in the background, but it lets me know, oh, like this is a very active team and this is a very active world. They're living with their stuff and going on, stuff going on in the foreground. And the background, it's not just like right in front of you, but there's there's depth to it. And I think the really rugged landscape lends itself to that. Yeah, he does take advantage of the landscape because the camera will be high up showing guys going down a hill or mm-hmm. he'll move it low, you know, looking up. And so every shot establishes height and depth and really helps us feel like we're right there in the jungle. And we also understand, like you said, the rugged nature of, of the of the ground that we're on, the steepness of the hill that they're coming down. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And a less experienced director might not know to take advantage of that, but he does it pretty expertly in this, in this sequence. Yeah. And he, yeah. And just throughout the movie, he does a really good job of letting the camera linger at the right parts and letting you take everything in um, the landscape, but the, and also the movement and the actions of, of of the actors. Yeah. What a great movie. Love this movie so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, remember the last minute with, or two minutes ago with that great long shot, the light, the great long shot, like owes a lot of its value, I think to the landscape itself, because you're having Arnold come down the hill, down the mountain on his stomach. And then when it sweeps to show the camp that he's looking at, when it sweeps over his shoulder, that camp is way down there, which is, is, 
really given right given the the use of the terrain uh, a lot of credit yeah i mean the 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 jungle really starts to become a character of its own Mm -hmm. you know and he's really establishing that and as the movie goes on we know that third act of the movie we're going to have the arnold predator showdown the jungle is is another character oh it totally is he's out there trying to survive not just the predator but in this incredibly unforgiving landscape Mm -hmm. um that you know that and he has barely any supplies to be there. So yeah, McTiernan does a good job. As we're watching this, we realize what it's like for them to be in this jungle. And then later on in the movie, when you know we're we're running around the jungle, having all these different other action sequences, that's already been established and it's in our mind. And it really just adds to the overall effect of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, some, it's something we'll keep an eye on for sure. Is is just how the environment is really starting to turn against them and. Um, yeah. work at a big disadvantage for them because so far we haven't seen a lot of like we talked about before with the jungle manual um, we haven't seen a lot of like the natural jungle hazards any way, in right. any way obstructing them or making their job um, that hard right yeah well does that bring us to the end of the minute i think it should does we, should we do our uh, our wrap-ups here what do we got next yeah on the docket? well this is the part of the show where we talk weekly recommends about mm. shows or movies that you've seen or books you've been reading or apps you've been patronizing uh, mm-hmm. or new blinds you've just put on your window that you just can't shut up about <laughs> or oh man new goals that you're setting because it's january and <laughs> <laughs> all right well i will i got a movie recommend uh um, awesome today yeah so i had the pleasure of seeing Glass oh. uh, recently, which is the third installment in the Unbreakable Split Unbreakable. Uh, universe. <laughs> Unbreakable! <laughs> <laughs> Um, of course, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan? Yep. However you say his last name. <laughs> something um, like right, something like that. Uh, and I, 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 these movies are interesting to me. I've always kind of held them a little bit at arm's length. I've always uh, enjoyed them. I'm not a super fan of them by any means. Um, I like Unbreakable. Unbreakable. I really mm. like Split. Split's probably still my favorite of the three. Probably because it still acts more sort of yeah. like a standalone horror movie. Yeah, you love that horror. Which is kind of my jam. But um, I do. But Glass is pretty interesting in the way that it brings the three characters together. Um, I don't want to spoil anything because it's brand new and I know many people right. are probably still waiting to go see it. But um, there's, you know, I could sit down and point some things out that I didn't necessarily like as much about it. Some things I did like about it. But uh, I can't say that it wasn't interesting so um if you are at all a fan of the the first two films in that little universe um it's definitely worth seeing because uh yeah we get to see all the characters interact which is Mm kind of fun and they kind of unlock some new things about the world that had not been known before which are kind of awesome yeah so glass check it out in theaters near you they called me mr glass Awesome, awesome. Well, good, good to hear that you liked it. I've, I've heard a lot of polarizing things about people liking it or not liking it. And... Yeah, and I can understand that. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I could, I could write a list of criticisms. I could also write a list of things I liked. But you know, if you don't like those movies, you probably mm-hmm. should avoid it. 
if you liked the first two, you should definitely okay, see Okay, so it's, it's more about liking those first two versus just like enjoying superhero movies because it definitely has that kind of yeah. superhero movie vibe. Yeah, but it's very different. It's very meta about superhero movies. It's, it's interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. All right. What do you got for us this week, John? What's on your recommends list? Oh, my recommends list is uh, an app that you recommended to me uh, a couple weeks ago, the Plex app p-l-e-x it's an app yeah love flex i'd heard all about it except i didn't really know what it was until you explained to me in (laughs) kind of a a drunken manner the other day so i was like this is i was also a little bit drunk so it it totally made sense to me it was like two people learn like oh okay like this is the common language we have great (laughs) that's right that was after we saw robocop yeah so we were a little drunk yeah Yeah. it was a fulfilling night in many ways yeah um yeah. If you don't know what Plex is, Plex is an app that um, you can download to any kind of streaming device, whether it be a phone or another computer or a laptop or a Roku or a Fire TV, Fire Stick, whatever, whatever you want to call that, um, or a smart TV in general. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, just, just as easily as you would download a Netflix or a Prime video app, you could download this Plex app. And what Plex does is it sets up your home computer, whatever computer you have your media on, and it sets up your that computer as a server, a media server, so that you can easily access on your streaming device whatever media you have um, on the home computer. So for example, I have a 42-inch TV in the office, and I really want to watch my movies on the bigger screen, not the smaller screen that we have. Uh, and so what I did is I hooked up the uh, Fire TV on that TV to have Plex, and then all my movies on my computer, I could put on the Plex or on the big TV and watch those. And that's been really enjoyable to be able to have that going on on the big screen and seeing all my favorite movies. Aren't you impressed at how cleanly it streams too? Like, yeah, it's, I, it's, I rarely have buffering issues. No, I've, um, I've yeah, I've, and I've watched what uh, the first. Let's see, I'm just watching the Star Wars movies as I'm on paternity leave here. I'm mm-hmm. watching them all in episode order, so I watched the first three movies, the prequels, and right, no stuttering issues at all. And yeah. I have, yeah, I have the subtitle subtitles on too, and so, and it's it's just working really well. So thanks for the recommend, and I'm putting yeah. the recommend out there. I'm glad that you were able to set it up and get it working just fine. It's it's really easy, even if you're not a, a technical person. It it really walks you through that stuff. So any movies, music, pictures you have on your computer, you can just point Plex to it. And uh, I really like how it downloads the metadata yeah. for every item and gives it a That's really awesome. nice display. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> like, too. oh wow, like this file didn't have all that information, but like now when I see it on Plex, it like gives a summary, gives the, the box art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really cool. cool. Really stuff. cool. Cool, man. I'm glad you were able to get yeah, it working. Man. That's awesome. Uh, and I think we've reached the show where we find out where we can find Carl Hungus. My name is Carl been expert. A.K.A. Jeff Glover. Oh, uh, yeah. Come follow me on Twitter. Capital K Carl underscore capital H Hungus. Don't forget the 314. Yeah. Carl Hungus Pie. Carl Hungus Pie. Yep. Come follow me there for me complaining about our dumb Super Bowl that we're going to have to watch here in a couple weeks. <laughs> I mean, the rematch from 18 years ago? I don't even know. Is it 19 years ago? I don't know, man. I hate both of these teams so much. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know who to root for. Yeah, for the record, you're a diehard Seahawks fan. Yeah, I'm from Seattle, so I hate the Rams. 
Um, and you're, everyone yeah. hates the Patriots. Everyone hates and, the Patriots. And also, even if I didn't hate the Patriots, we lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And yeah, you know, we have a little history with the Patriots. And yeah, so sorry, any Boston listeners. No, I'm sure I'm sure you're nice people. No, no hard feelings. I I just can't root for you in the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> I mean, we could see greatness, right? We could see, you know, Brady reaching a Jordan like status. Hey, this is Yay. episode twenty three. You could earn a sixth ring. Whoop de doo. I think I saw a stat that like Tom Brady now has Tom Brady now has more appearances in the Super Bowl than any other team. It's like That's being like we could watch Bill Gates win the lottery. <laughs> Where can we find you, John? Uh, well, you can find Predator Minute on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find the RSS feed on SoundCloud, but we're also uh, on iTunes and Stitcher and other podcasting apps. If you have a question about mines, I don't know. If, if you have a question uh, about Plex, yes, if you have a Plex question or a mine question, email the show at predatorminute at gmail.com. Uh, I check it regularly, probably every other day or so, and uh, really having to tamp down all the responses every time a new episode comes out like <laughs> stop stop I, i'll stop giving out the email address okay guys okay calm it down <laughs> with the email calm it down with the emails God, <laughs> you guys are crazy <sighs> good stuff i'm looking at right now there's there's nothing in the inbox i think the last email <laughs> i received was 12 eight that was okay that was about a month and a half ago but yeah so i think that wraps us up <laughs> kind of like you're kind of like meandering right now okay so for predator yep. minute i've been john zabriski and i'm jeff glover and until next time stick around having a little party tonight i plan to serve hillshire farm little smokies Delectable little morsels. Great for parties, great anytime. Turtle barbecue sauce, and it's snack time. Perfect. They're gonna love these. I better get busy. We're gonna go through a lot of toothpicks. Little Smokies, the perfect little snack from Hillshire Farm. And look, the perfect little snack in a perfect little package. Little Link Snackers from Hillshire Farm. <laughs>